All right, everyone, welcome to the Carolina Weather Group. This is the Wednesday, January 25th edition, 2017. Hard to believe that uh, this is our last show in January. This month has really uh, blown by, but we appreciate you uh, tuning in tonight. Sorry about the, the little bit of a delay. Got a little glitch with our YouTube, but I think everything's going good now. So uh, welcome to the Carolina Weather Group. We're very happy to have Sunset Weather on with us tonight. Uh, very neat product, and uh, hopefully you follow those guys on Twitter. And if not, after tonight's show, I, I guarantee you will follow them. It's a great product that they uh, produce. And looking forward to uh, talking about how it operates and uh, just how you guys can get involved in the verification process. So uh, happy to have uh, Sunset Weather on with us tonight. Uh, this is a, a live broadcast, so if you do have any questions uh, throughout the show, please feel free to send them to our Twitter account at Gex Group and uh, on our Facebook page. You can uh, post questions or comments uh, uh, there as well. So I think that kind of clears up all of that. If you are watching on the rebroadcast, we'll make sure the guys do uh, send out their information so you can follow them um, on Twitter or Facebook uh, if you are watching this on the, the rebroadcast. So uh, as you guys know, we're going to do an abbreviated version of uh, the current weather about uh, what's going on in the Carolinas. I wanted to show you one thing right quick, uh, and I'll start off first because I know Ricky's finishing dinner and Shay's getting a few things done. So I wanted to show uh, this tweet that I had today talking about uh, North Carolina and, and in the southeast in general. Uh, as you can uh, attest, if you live here, you know how crazy the weather is. So uh, this was how my day started. We started off with a little frost this morning, temperature of about 30 degrees, and um, by the end of the day, we ended a temp with a temperature of around 70 degrees. So uh, it has been a very warm period of uh, weather here in the Carolinas today throughout the entire southeast. Uh, the winds are whipping. I can hear them uh, over the show from the, the cold front moving through. And currently, that cold front is uh, situated in East Tennessee, where we find our good friend Ricky Matthews tonight. Ricky, how is uh, things on your side of the mountain? Uh, we're doing all right. We started off the morning a little cold with temperatures in the 30s, a little bit of valley fog, and uh, some rime ice thanks to that valley fog as well. But it warmed up. I think we got up to 65 today after starting off at like 32, 33, 31 across the valleys. The uh, inversion <clears throat> you were talking about earlier before you started the show, Scotty, you know, it was so cold in the valleys this morning. But uh, Boone, which is what, I think seven, 8,000 feet or so in elevation, uh, roughly at least six, was like at 56 degrees this morning at 10 a.m. So a uh, heck of a temperature inversion going on. Well, it's very, uh, just like you said, elevated elevation dependent on the temperature. So uh, I'm going to kick it down to Shay before we give it back to Ricky so we can uh, start the interview tonight. Shay, uh, man, w we got to enjoy some of what you've been enjoying for a long time up here in the, in the foothills of the Piedmont. So how's uh, the weather going uh, there on the South Carolina coast? Oh, beautiful today. We were about 70 degrees. I mean, it's, it's nice. I didn't actually catch the, the high temperature for today. I think it was about near that. But yeah, we've had some some pretty mild temperatures. We had that severe threat uh, over the weekend for Sunday that turned out uh, to, to kind of fizzle out. We had some of that cool shelf waters of the Atlantic Ocean help to sort of stabilize the atmosphere just along the coastline. Uh, we did get some thunderstorms to the area, but not quite as severe as expected, which was a good thing. So um, I think a lot of folks in the southeast had quite a scare. Some folks in Georgia, there's couple. There was quite a few tornadoes in Georgia, uh, with some fatalities, unfortunately. But but for us in South Carolina, uh, we did pretty well. I think there was two tornadoes in South Carolina. I have to go back and look at all the information. But 
for the most part, temperatures are great here. We're, we're going to start a, a downward trend once this cold front, the same one you're talking about, uh, moves through the area. Right now, we're seeing a little bit of nocturnal jetting off of that, some southwest winds, but but otherwise, fairly uh, calm, tranquil weather for the most part. We had a little bit of a sea breeze today, and uh, that's about it. Thank you, Scotty. Shay, that, that PDS tornado watch, I think that's got to go down in history as one of the few PDS watches that probably didn't verify. Um, you know, I remember there was one up in Illinois a few years ago, but pretty rare to get a PDS watch out and uh, not have even a tornado warning or a couple of tornadoes in it. Yeah, um, we were in watch zones. So for the most part, the watch zones went all the way up through, I think, Georgetown the coastline but those went down really quick once the storms fizzled out here but yeah mo most of the storm activity and the severe weather uh, the tornado warning watch zones all were to the south of us and west and Shay, uh playing off that we do want to say that our, our thoughts and prayers are with everyone who's been affected in the the deep south with georgia south carolina mississippi uh, places like that alabama that saw the devastating tornadoes and um uh, we look forward, hopefully in the next couple of months, we'll have our good buddy Bob Jeswald on. Uh, that was kind of in his area that uh, all these tornadoes developed. So uh, we'll kind of talk about that event, hopefully in a few months from now. I do want to say, I don't know where James is. I think we ran him off this week. Uh, but no, uh, James is spending some time with his wife before she goes on a um, business trip, I believe. And David is also out tonight. So um, those are two panels. I see Peter has joined us right quick, Peter. How's things up in the Philly area? And then I'll let you toss the Ricky so we can start uh, the show tonight. Well, it's been uh, dark and gloomy for sure. Uh, we had that nor'easter come up the coast uh, Sunday and Monday, but no snow with it. If it did, it would have been a massive snowstorm, but luckily that did not play out. Uh, did have a lot of rain, a lot of clouds, and it's been that way for the last couple of days. And today we finally saw the sun after, I don't know, like a week or so, maybe even more than that. But uh, temperatures have been in the 40s and 50s the last uh, week to two weeks or so, and it's going to go down a little bit as we go into next week and maybe some snow over the weekend. But overall, just gloomy and just rotten weather. So that's it for up here. But, uh, Ricky, go ahead. Gloomy and rotten weather. I think that sums up New Jersey, doesn't it, Peter? Uh, <laughs> trashy. Uh, no, did I say that? Uh, all right. I'll, I'll stop uh, throwing shade at you. All right. So tonight's topic is sunset weather, something that I've had the pleasure of using a few times on my on-air broadcast and uh, the brainchild of a few people here on our panel tonight. And it looks like we've got a great group of folks from sunset weather. So Jacob, since you're at the airport, why don't we bring you in first here and we'll let you kind of give us the, the gist and the overall idea behind this and uh, explain a little bit about what it is. Yeah, sure. So if you hear the overhead lady, that's obviously uh, the airport sound, if anybody didn't miss that. Um, but Sunset started when I was an uh, undergraduate student at Penn State University. I was a photographer for the university, and I did a lot of photography work, and I tried to ca capture landscapes across the campus. And I tried to infuse, you know, weather as much as I could into that, you know, change up the sky and really focus on sunrise and sunsets. And some days were when I walked or drove 10, 15 minutes away. It just didn't work out as I expected it to, really just only looking at satellite. So I kind of, you know, that it was it was a background thought until I um, graduated. And I came back and I started working um, before I started working at AccuWeather, and then I met uh, met up with Ben, who I shared the idea with um, earlier as we were when we were under undergraduate students, and it spurred from there. We had Steve join us um, to help write the, the algorithm, and um, he can tell you more about the more uh, programming. And then we brought Justin along really to focus on our API and our background work in that aspect. So. It's kind of just spurred from just a general idea that was kind of just more of a hobby to 
something unexpected or happy about. So how long has this been around now? No, I've been using it for at least a year. How long has this been kind of a, a, I guess, operational product, quote unquote? Quote unquote. It was November of 2015. So it's it's been about a year and about three months or so um, at this point. And uh, like it's 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 been into, it's been a it's been a ride. I'm sure the other guys can agree as well because. Um, uh, we weren't expecting too much. It was more or less, you know, we got over a box of pizza and started talking meteorology. You took the soundings, you could pass photographs, pass events, and it just went from there. Awesome. So, Steve, from a from a coding standpoint, what's the primary coding language you guys are using, and then how challenging of a code is it? So, so the so the sunset algorithm is written in what's called the Grid Analysis and Display System, or GRADS for short. It's a meteorological data visualization language. You know, it, it reads NWP data, you know, in, in GRIB format, net CDF format, and uh, and y you can do a lot of interesting things with it to uh, to visualize that data. Uh, it's there's a learning curve. It has a couple idiosyncrasies, uh, but once you get past them, um, I've encoded in it for about uh, let's see, uh, th three and a half years. So. Uh, so I've learned a lot um, in terms of difficulty, I'd say, compared to Python or, or, um, or C or C or anything. It's, uh, it's, it's a bit easier than those, but again, it has its uh, idiosyncrasies. And um, you handle a lot of big data sets, so you have to watch out for um, uh, a lot of stuff uh, concerning that. And so you mentioned NWP. You guys are pulling some of the models that are put out uh, and then kind of tweaking them a little bit, right? Yeah, we pull from the four kilometer NAM and we pull from the GFS and uh, the algorithms that data. Um, obviously, you know, there's different parameters that that's for the GFS and there's different parameters that we use from the NAM. Um, so, uh, so yeah, we take that data and we tweak it to, uh, to produce the images that you see on the screen. Okay. And this question can go to anyone who wants to answer it, but why the four kilometer NAM? Why was that the, the, the model of choice when you guys were picking this? Uh, the, the four kilometer NAM we found was a, it, we, um, so sunsets are, you know, affected by, you know, topography, you know, with the gravity wave formation, you know, with, you know, with all the clouds. Uh, so, and it's not too meso it's not too mesoscale ish. It's not like the HRRR where the HRRR can just go crazy with a couple things. So um, uh, and the 12K NAM was you know kind of you know kind of too coarse of a resolution. Uh, so we picked it because we felt you know that it, it handled um, the balance between synoptic and mesoscale the best. Then. I'll just add in that this was also right before the GFS went under its most recent upgrade to a higher resolution, um, which of course now it's up to something like 13 kilometers. But uh, when we were also getting started, the GFS itself too um, had not undergone its most recent upgrade. So the NAM was, as Steve said, a pretty good balance. Now, Ben, I'm going to switch gears just a little bit because we have a lot of photographers probably watching the show tonight that absolutely love to take pictures. So the question is, they're looking at your product, and, it, and it's pretty self-explanatory. Um, it's pretty, fairly user-friendly on what to look for and the colors. What type of clouding are you looking for um, to get these colors on the warmer scale? I mean, what, what, are they, what are photographers looking for when they see your product and they say, okay, it's going to be a good sunset based on these colors? But what does that really mean? So interestingly enough, that was actually our biggest challenge when we started out because we, we realized that if we asked, 
10 different people about their definition of a great sunset, we'd probably get six, seven, eight different answers. Um, so once we determined what we wanted to consider to be a good sunset, we really wanted to target um, the presence of clouds, specifically high clouds, um, mid-level to high clouds that weren't um, too thick. Uh, so more of like a, a thin or not quite overcast uh, mid to high cloud situation that can kind of act as like a movie projection screen uh, for the uh, sunlight at the end of the day to light up the undersides of them. Um, so as whether or not people know this or not, our scale essentially tries to, uh, to uh, treat a clear sky as the middle of the road of the scale. Very interesting. Yeah, because we, uh, we have some beautiful ones here in Charleston, and we have the ocean to thank for that a lot of times for the different types of uh, troughing or mid-level clouding. Um, there's all kinds of high-level clouds that, that scoot over the coastline that create these just gorgeous sunsets, and that goes for anywhere along the eastern coast. Uh, but, you know, I always think, okay, uh, we got a cold front coming and then behind cold fronts. So how do you weigh your sunset uh, forecasting ability with a, with cold fronts in general? Do you really like lean on those or do you just sort of let the model do its work for you? So, yeah, with regard to frontal passages, um, that's actually, I mean, going into this, we realized that um, particularly a cold frontal passage, um, that's really an opportunity in the wake of that when you start to get some clouds to clear and uh, you get to some sun on the horizon, but still enough moisture around to promote clouds maybe where you are clearing on the western horizon. Um, that was really a type of situation where we wanted to be able to uh, pick that up um, with how we develop these algorithms. And actually on the uh, three or four days after we launched, we actually had that similar case show up along the I-95 corridor from Washington to New York. Um, it was a it was a frontal passage, and uh, the model was actually able to detect in the wake of the front that they'd likely be clearing, and that's actually a part of the success story as to how we how we were seen uh, right off the bat so quickly um, was uh, thanks to a cold frontal passage. Um, so we really uh, with re relating some pressure variables, um, we also try to pick that up in addition to how that relates to the moisture profile at a time. And Ricky or Scotty? Okay. Uh, so when we're talking about this data, obviously it has to be displayed somehow. What was the thought process about getting it to the web first and then getting it to social media? And then what you guys have done in the, I guess, the months or weeks following that is you guys offered me as a television station the opportunity to use some of these custom grids as well. Uh, Justin or whoever else wants to take that, talk a little bit about the thought process behind that and uh, how you guys came to it. I can snag the TV in real quickly um, because it was a general idea that um, I can't remember what the idea, like who spurred the idea, um, but we reached out first to some Penn State alumni just to gauge interest who are broadcast mess, see if there was any interest in that realm to see if they were interested in just, you know, using this as a graphic. We think it'd be an interesting, you know, place and a, a good, you know, place to put on, on air because then you have, you know, the public feedback, you get more sunset, sunrise photos, and it's a give and take between the broadcast meteorologists and then the public as well and gets them a little bit more involved. Um, so since then, we, we reached out, I think, to a couple um, Penn State TV Mets, and yeah, since we're about, uh, about three dozen TV stations 
uh, from Boston to Seattle and then also up to Toronto. Um, so we kind of span a good portion of the country and also helps us with verification process. So we know if it worked out that day, if it didn't work out that day, we kind of keep that in mind for future adjustments that we do make to, uh, to the model and the algorithm itself. If you want to take the web page, Steve or Justin, you guys can uh, as a TV one. So for as far as the web page goes, uh, it looks pretty similar to how it has looked in uh, since launch. Um, at the moment, we just produce uh, graphics of each uh, forecast hour, just sort of give uh, an overview of what we're of what we process. Now, of course, only uh, one hour. You sort of you sort of have to pick and choose the closest frame to uh, the time that you're that uh, the, the sunset time or the sunrise time. Um, at the moment, that's what we do on our homepage. Uh, I see it's being displayed up on the screen, uh, and uh, at the moment. Uh, we pick and choose uh, an image which is going to be closest to uh, where you're located, and that's what we display. Uh, we have some pretty we have some pretty exciting developments. Uh, I don't think we probably don't want to talk about that quite yet, but we do have uh, a new homepage coming, and uh, I think it'll be very exciting. Very cool, and I, I realized here. Uh, that you guys have gone global now too. talk a little bit about that change and how that thought process came along. So um, I'll take this. Uh, so when I first started, you know, developing the algorithms, uh, you know, and, and Jake, Jake and Ben were reaching out to social media, we actually had some inquiries for uh, people from in, in, in Europe. And so I figured, well, you know, what the heck, why not? Uh, plus, you know, the, the NAMS domain especially, it, it kind of um, cuts off Canada. And, and we actually had some inquiries from north of uh, where the NAM cuts off. So I quickly just uh, uh, transitioned a couple things over uh, to the GFS. Uh, from a data perspective, the GFS files are about two times smaller than the, uh, than the NAM files. So, uh, so the load wasn't that uh, so it, it it wasn't that intensive a load to bring the GFS on, and uh, we just did that to uh, reach people around the world, and we've gotten feedback from pretty much every single continent except Antarctica. <laughs> That's awesome. We need to get you some uh, feedback from down there. Yeah. Have you guys seen a difference in the verification? I mean, obviously you're using kind of two different models, but have you seen a difference in the verification uh, on a global scale versus uh, here in the United States? Uh, well, with the GFS, uh, of, of course, it's more of a synoptic scale model, so it really can't capture the, the mesoscale features as well. Um, so uh, parameters are relaxed and other parameters are emphasized to reflect, you know, more of the, the high clouds or, or more of a, a, a pressure tendency, you know, to, to kind of compensate for that miss in mesoscale features. Um, but... Uh, in terms of verification, they both do reasonably well. Uh, as you know, with all weather models, they both have their strengths and they both have their weaknesses. So uh, we we try to take those biases into into effect and then uh, adjust accordingly. Okay, very cool. All right, so now I get down to the hard questions that uh, put you on the spot. So any plans in the future to maybe make a map that's more zoomable or able to 
move in and out or, or kind of make these into KMZ files we could put into Google Earth or something? We can't rule that out. <laughs> ah, I think I've found something here. All right, we'll let that one go. But how about an app or something along those lines? I mean, you know, have you guys thought about doing that? Yes. Um, at the moment, we're focused on our API, and uh, you could test that out right now if you'd like. Uh, we're in beta. Just send us an email. We'll be happy to get you a key as soon as possible. Um, but basically, our API is going to be the foundation for any app that we would like to make or that anyone else would like to make. And, uh, it's, and within the next few months here, uh, our focus will be shifting uh, from the API to an app and focusing on uh, what type of design uh, people will find pleasing and what, you know, what gets the job done as simple as possible. Very cool. I think all of us in the panel will be more than happy to be beta testers for you if you uh, allow us that opportunity. So um, what have been some of the reactions from not only the public, but also the meteorological community? I mean, this is the first thing I've ever seen, you know, coming out doing sunrise and sunset forecasts. It seemed to be fairly widely uh, accepted. Uh, we first started off, our first, uh, Eric Coldhouse, who used to write for us, Slate did our first story on it, and it was on the, a verification that, like Ben said, went from New York City down to Philly, D.C., so it caught a good area. And then since then, there's been blogs from meteorologists that have, that have written about it. They reached out to us to use our broadcast, you know, use our graphics um, as they're broadcasting the weather and whatnot. So from the meteorologist standpoint, I think it's been widely accepted. And as well as the public, it, it's a little difficult to get with the public um, because we don't have the opportunity to really to really um, manipulate the forecast besides our algorithm, which comes from the NAM. And as we all know, the NAM is never really perfect. Um, so it's a little bit difficult getting the idea across that it's not always going to be a correct, you know, for certain reasons. Um, but for the most part, it seems to be fairly accurate. And we really haven't got too many, uh, too many members of the public that really, you know, shut us down because it hasn't been, you know, accurate for them on a daily basis. It seems like more often than not, for sure, it's, it's accurate in their area. So it's, it's been fairly, it's been fairly accepted, I think. Do you expect to get a, a much more greater public feedback once you guys launch the app? I mean, just from a... I would think anyone could download the app once it's launched and they're like, oh, hey, this is kind of cool. Definitely, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Go ahead, Steve. Oh, no, I did. I was just agreeing. Go ahead. Yeah, no, that's the whole ultimate goal, hopefully, is, and, you know, just word gets passed along. It's word of mouth at that point. I mean, you have this app, and it happens on any app that you see. People are like, oh, what app is that? Or they kind of just spread it by word by mouth. So we're hoping by that point um, it kind of just, you know, goes from there and kind of just branches off. Have you guys presented this at AMS or NWA before, or have uh, done any presentations on it? Um, had strep throat not gotten in the way, um, we were slated to present at NWA um, in September. Um, wasn't able to actually happen, um, but we're gonna we're gonna try again for uh, this coming year. Um, whether or not it's like the the big meetings, or even if it's like some of the summer community meetings. Um, definitely it's a good medium to uh to really help promote this i mean the meteorology community i think more so there's a there's a higher ratio with regard to the meteorological community that already does know about us versus the public obviously but um i still think there's a uh between us and the overall meteorology community that we can uh, still appeal to a lot of them so um, i think the conferences are a good thing to target here 
It's always amazing to me how some meteorologists don't know the products that are out there even now that have been out for, you know, five, 10 years. And so I think there's always opportunities to get your word out more to not just meteorologists, but of course the public, as you mentioned. Yeah, so, speaking of AMS, uh, I wanted to this year, but I wasn't, I would have, we have a poster ready to go because we we're going to present at MWA, um, but I didn't realize it was going to get funding in time. But fortunately, it's in Austin next year, which is drivable for me. So no matter what, we should be presenting at Austin, let alone NWA possibly next year. So. All right, yep. very good. Yep, I'll also be attending either one or two of those conferences through Penn State, so I'll be able to represent Sunset Weather as well there. We'll have to uh, set up something at NWA to have like an NWA uh, contest. Whoever gets the best sunset picture wins like an AMS t-shirt or NWA t-shirt or something. Uh, <laughs> sure. So, all right. Well, what, I guess, has this been implemented anywhere in academia? Have you guys used this at all at Penn State for some of your research or have you guys done any, I guess, grad work or undergraduate work with it? So, so um, go, go ahead, Ben. Steve. So uh, we were actually approached by a Stanford oh. researcher. So yeah, I, I was just going to say from a, from a research standpoint or um, graduate student standpoint, um, the downfall with our department right now is we don't have any optic professors or really optic-driven researchers. So as far as opportunities for research with this, uh, it, that really hasn't come up yet. Um, so as far as doing anything in our immediate department, there just hasn't really been anything to come up just yet. But um, I've actually been talking to uh, some of the grad students and um, people that have been prospective students that have been coming through. And um, they've either asked me about it or I've tried to, I've tried to tout it a little bit. Um, a lot of people think it would be neat to do something with. There's just no no funding or drive or research position because we don't have optic people uh, in our department right now. Sure. Uh, uh, that's not an uncommon problem though. I think some people run into Steve, do you have something to add? Yeah. So <clears throat> in terms of uh, <clears throat> academia from other universities, we were actually approached uh, by a PhD, uh, uh, PhD statistician in computer science, uh, doctoral student, um, Emma Pearson, and uh, at Stanford, she actually used access to our, uh, she got early access to our API, and uh, she actually published a, uh, a scientific paper on it uh, titled Detecting and Predicting Beautiful Sunsets Using Social Media Data. And what she did is she had uh, people rank our algorithm to see if it had predictive, predictive value, and uh, of course it did have predictive value. Uh, this was also at the time where the algorithm was in its very early stages. So, uh, she actually presented her research uh, uh, at the Sixth International Workshop on Climate Informatics, uh, September of 2016. So, so guys, out of out of all products, I mean, this you guys been in this uh, a year now. What what are some of the success stories and maybe some of the horror stories that that you guys have encountered uh, throughout the the first year of Sunset Weather? I can I can snag that one. Uh, so I mean, fortunately, we haven't had too many horror horror stories. Um, there's always it's always it's fun when you go on Twitter and you're verifying. Sometimes uh, you see you know the chemtrail. That's one we get sometimes. You know that's a discussion that we have had before, but we try to keep uh, away from it. And also when we're verifying, we we try to reach out and say you know where was this from? And a a, a, some, a significant chunk actually just says from my backyard. Um, so that really doesn't help us. It's kind of, you know, we kind of just laugh about it because um, it's happened so much now. 
Um, but from horror stories, I don't know if you about you guys like have any. Fortunately, I'm not sure we've had you know too many horror stories just yet. I wouldn't say horror stories. Uh, I would say maybe things are a little bit slower because we're we're working on things and uh, I don't know. There's some things we want to perfect, I guess. Um, but no, no, not any really horror horror stories. <laughs> no, the uh, the closest. I'd say. The, uh, the the closest would be uh, when the name has a really bad day or if it has an initialization error and spawns convection 200 miles from where it should be, that always throws a wrench in things. But other than that, no. Uh, as Justin said, there's a lot of moving parts behind the scenes, which will eventually culminate uh, in, in a lot of cool stuff this year. So, And that never happens, Steve, with a name, right? You know, it, Oh, no, no, of course not. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Scott, did you um, have another question, or do you want me to? Yeah, I have a few more. Um, I, I was doing some of the research. Uh, well, before I do that, I, I want to talk about the verification part. How, how can how can our, our followers kind of verify your product? What do you guys look for uh, when you put your sunset forecast out there and then you ask for verification? How, how can our followers or just the general public um, verify your, uh, your forecast? So... As long as they understand essentially, you know, the scale in our images and essentially what the image is telling them for their location, um, whether, you know, it's, I mean, obviously the, the best case scenario is we're forecasting a good sunset for point X and somebody from point X um, is able to go out and take a picture of a nice sunset, which proves to us that, you know, hey, whatever we were taking into account tonight, it was handling it well. Um, on the other side of the coin, you know, if we're not forecasting a good sunset in an area, somebody could obviously take a picture of a, you know, totally overcast day and tweet it at us and say, hey, good job. Um, but people obviously don't tend to take pictures of just a cloudy day. But um, in general, we're just looking for people to essentially be our, our eyes all over the, uh, the domains that we do this for, since we obviously uh, can't do that every day ourselves, since there's only uh, or finite locations, um, but you know, that it's just making sure the first step to all this is just making sure that um, we're doing our job of making sure people know what they're looking at, what they're interpreting, um, to then therefore go out and help us. And we use their verifications to uh, also help tweak the model and tweak the algorithms. We're always looking for ways to improve. Um, sometimes I just remember. Um, what, ahead of Hurricane Hermine, I think it was back in August or September, um, with all the with all the high cloud spew from Hurricane Hermine, I remember we had a couple days where the model it was just not handling things very well. Um, so we really utilized a couple of those days to really go in and, and do tweaking based on what people were sending us. Um, so it's it's really a help to us too. Awesome. Uh, and this question is for everyone. And Jacob, I'll start with you. Um, looking at, at your website and stuff, uh, doing some research for the show tonight, uh, I seen that you guys was featured on the CBS Early Morning Show. Um, that's got to be humbling, you know, for for a startup group like you guys a year into into doing this, you know, for for the CBS Morning Show to kind of grab that kind of do a feature on you guys talk about that and and how it kind of propelled you guys into uh, what you're doing right now 
Yeah. Um, so actually, they were they reached out to us December about a month after we first started and first released. Um, so December of 2015, which was interesting. Um, I believe some of it was spurred because we were featured on Good Morning America, and of course there's some competition there as well. Um, but yeah, they came to the Penn State Weather Center, and we talked to them for a good three or four hours uh and they did a great job with their feature and whatnot and that really just you know grew i mean from there that was big on social media as they said you know who to follow on our twitter accounts and they tagged us and so you know that was big on social media day and so since then a lot of been you know what they did to help us has really been based on social media and other other outlets seeing that and writing articles you know and right doing um you know other tv features and whatnot so they kind of helped us propel, you know, kind of to where we are now with the with the um, the idea of, you know, just gathering more um, audience. Any of you guys uh, add on to that? I mean, you know, being on that, it's kind of was you nervous? I mean, how how what was the whole process? I mean, what what was your thoughts thoughts on this? I mean, this is a big time program, you know, featuring you guys. I mean, do you well, guys have any any stories from that? Well, to be honest, uh, so that they reached out to us, or actually, the interview took place about uh, pr probably a month, a month before, or about a month and a week before, or after I launched or the site. So to see the site go from just like a, a WordPress you know, site that pretty much anybody can have to uh, to you know having CBS News contact us, that that really took it to the next level, quite personally for me and. Uh, that was actually my first interview, so uh, I, I was I was a bit nervous. Right. And the um and just to add to that, the uh, they didn't really tell us ahead of time how it was really going to go, um, and just knowing how with it being you know CBS Network, I mean there was I mean the pressure was on just because you know once we found out that this was going to be airing nationally on on a weekend morning on CBS national, then it was like, you know, we wanted to be on our a game and, and say all the right stuff and, and just come across as uh, really comfortable, even though uh, like, like Steve and Jake both said, it was a little bit nerve wracking le leading up to it, but we're really happy with how it turned out. Very cool. I've got a question for you guys. Um, and, and just say mums the word if, if I tap into this, but have you thought about, uh, adding an ephemeris to your product for other photographers and enjoy your work. An ephemeris is basically what, uh, like the photographer's ephemeris, it has uh, the angle, the sun's azimuth, the moon. Uh, it's more celestial related as far as like the sun and the moon goes, but it's all tied into uh, like with sunsets in particular and even moonrises or moonsets. Is that something uh, you, you've looked at? Uh, we've we've taken a peek at that aspect, and more or less, it's it's more or less just been us busy on different other things, trying to, um, you know, keep up with you know the general and re releasing you know the sunset. And just people know that the sunset and sunrise forecasts are out at the moment. But those other, those other things we have definitely thought of as well, and people have asked us too if they, we can incorporate um, different aspects, you know, sunset times, sunrise times, even like you said, uh, moon forecasts, you know, astronomy, and something along those lines. Um, so, yeah, the ultimate the thought of this really was, you know, just to have a different, you know, perspective from the public so they can see, you know, as a forecaster, we give them every day, you know, temperature, we give them precipitation, we give them cloud cover, you know, the general the generalizations of usually the forecast, but, you know, a different, you know, kind of twist to the, the forecast and the weather in general so they can have something that they can enjoy. 
Very cool. One more question for me. This is kind of sciencey. Uh, are you familiar with the Saharan air layer that comes across the Atlantic Ocean from Africa? Do you find I, I get a, yeah. a nod, Ben? Um, yeah. Do any of the models that you have pick up on that for some of the the unique sunsets and sunrises in, say, Miami, Florida? So we not long after we launched, um, we actually tried. Um, to get in contact with a Penn State researcher, her name her name's Amy Huff. Um, because we're working grads, which for meteorological community, um, it's still a relatively new language with regard to how graphics are made for, from a weather perspective. Um, we ran into some some how am I, what am I trying to say? Being able to incorporate. Uh, data sets like Saharan air, air layer or stuff with particulates, um, there's a learning curve there with how that all works with grads. So all that is still, um, it's still like a, a work in progress, if you will, with regard to being able to take into account uh, stuff like that with related to particulate matter um, and, and dust and uh, stuff like that. Right. Yeah. The only reason I really ask is, is more personal because I follow it quite a bit throughout the summer during the hurricane season. Uh, and and I, I didn't check it at all with the Sunset WX this year. I, I know I had it in my mind. I was like, I want to I want to check it out and see if it's verifying at least over uh, maybe the Bahamas or um, some portions of the Lesser Antilles. So, yeah, I'll, I'll be looking forward to it this year. It's actually interesting. It's so the GFS, you know, it, it has aerosol products, but to the, the way GRADS works, if we were to incorporate air quality data, which uh, at, you know, it, in any, you know, net CDF or grid format, you know, you have to grid it to the, you have to format so that it goes to the highest resolution. So that data is, you know, of, of a very coarse resolution. So if we were to do it, we wouldn't be able to resolve many of the features that we do, you know, regarding convection or, or anything today. However, we kind of, you know, incorporate that via the humidity profiles. So sometimes if you look at our worldwide view, it actually uh, picks up on, on some pretty good sunsets uh, with, you know, right off the coast of Africa and, and with, within the Saharan desert in regards to that. So it shows it by proxy, but we wish we had that data and we're always on the lookout for that. All right, very cool. Uh, Jacob, I know you gotta leave us in a few minutes to board your flight because the last thing we want you to do is miss your flight uh, home after AMS. So thank you for uh, joining us tonight. We're getting close to wrapping up a show. I've got one more question for everybody uh, or for, for panel, but if you need to go, we're- uh, Yeah, yeah, no, it was nice being you guys. And yeah, thank you again. It's been a pleasure being on here and you guys great to uh, chat with and I've watched you guys before too, the nice work. But yeah, thanks again. Tell people how they can get in touch with you real quick if you want to give out your social media and Twitter and stuff like that. Yeah, so our social media is uh, at, it's at sunset underscore WX. Um, you can follow us on Facebook. Just type it in sunset WX. And same on Instagram. It's just sunset WX without the underscore. And if you're a TV meteorologist or someone who wants to get in um, touch with probably with the, um, the beta use or, you know, just um, work with, you know, the background work of the API, you can send me an email. It's at dflitch at sunsetwx.com. So that's D-E-F-L-I-T-C-H at sunsetwx.com. All right. Get an email from me very soon or a Twitter message or something reaching out to you. Perfect. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks, Jacob. Yeah. See you, Jake.
So for the rest of you guys, I got one more question, and then we can talk to the Scotty to wrap up or some final questions as well. Uh, specifically here in the Carolinas, have you guys seen anything where it's verified good or bad uh, in our weather? Uh, I can. Uh, I live in Charlotte, uh, or just outside of Charlotte, really. And uh, I've taken uh, – I don't have them ready at, at the moment. I could go dig them up. But, yes, I took uh, several good, mainly sunrises. Um, I, at my location, I can't really take too many good sunset pictures, but uh, yeah, I have personally verified uh, at least three sunrises that I can remember. I was going to say, um, I didn't realize you was from Charlotte until doing some, <laughs> some stuff on Twitter a little while ago, so I didn't know you was a Carolina guy, so thanks, for, thanks for being on. Anyways, back to your question, Ricky. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, that was pretty much it, just uh, anything in our area. And the same for my region, right across the mountains, anything in eastern Tennessee or Appalachia or even just in the mountains that has verified well or hasn't verified well. So I'm personally not oh, sure. Sorry. I mean, maybe Ben or Steve knows. Uh, the, only, the only generalization that I can make is um, – with regard to being on the upslope sides of, of mountains, whenever whenever we get into northwest flow regimes, particularly in the winter, um, we've learned that, especially with the way the NAM parameterizes some things with regard to convection or, or snow showers, particularly upslope, um, the, the most I can say with regard to more toward your area is flow mainly in the winter. Um, we actually usually expect to have some problems um, in areas that involve the mountains. Uh, so that's about as, that's about the only thing that I could generalize uh, with regard to that. Yeah. Um, ad additionally, you know, with, with all the flow and, and the terrain, you, you obviously get the gravity waves. So they cause some trouble, and uh, we've uh, recently added uh, parameters to, uh, to account for the formation of uh, – <clears throat> for, for the formation of the gravity waves and uh, how the algorithm treats them. That's awesome. Yeah, from a – Forecaster in this area, I can promise you that it's not just your model. It is everything. Our forecast sucked this time of the year. I busted by five <laughs> degrees positive the other day, eight degrees negative the next day. And uh, we're forecasting five days of northwest flow of snow here. So God help us all. Anyway. <laughs> all right. Um, anything else we haven't discussed that you guys want to bring up? Otherwise, let's give out your social media accounts and tell people how they can follow you. Crickets. Okay. <laughs> 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 well, uh, I guess to wrap it, wrap things up, uh, this spring or early summer, uh, I think uh, our fans should be on the lookout for a new app, uh, likely first for iOS and then definitely later for Android as well. Uh, and after that, uh, like I said, uh, our homepage may or may not change. <laughs> so uh, that's about it uh, for me personally. Um, again, follow us on Twitter at sunset underscore WX. Uh, and all of our Twitter uh, handles are, are uh, in the description if you'd like to contact uh, either of us, any of us. Sounds good. All righty. All right, guys. Yeah, and thank you, thank you guys for inviting us on tonight. We uh, we appreciate it. Yeah, we appreciate you guys coming on, and uh, 
Thanks for your great product. I always enjoy uh, sunsets, and it's always cool to see the forecast. So uh, you guys keep doing the, the good work, and uh, we'll send as many followers as we can. Thank you for having yeah, us on. Spread the word. <laughs> Thank you. We appreciate that. No problem. All right, guys. Well, next week I'm going to try a new feature here. We're going to screen share our schedule. Can you guys see this? Oh, yeah. We got Steve. Uh, <laughs> wow. Hey, let me lock you in, Scotty. I'll, uh, All right. All right. There you go. Now you're locked in. So here's our, our upcoming uh, schedule. Can you believe our, our next show is the 145th show of the Carolina Weather Group? So uh, that in itself is amazing. So anyways, uh, as you can see, uh, Sunset Weather was tonight. Next week, we're going to have teleconnections and organic forecasting with Anthony Lupo from the University of Missouri and Joe Rinkin. Uh, February 8th, we're going to have uh, Chrissy Hurley. She is uh, the warning coordinator, warning coordinator meteorologist at the National Weather Service in Nashville. Chrissy was going to try to join us last week for our Women in Weather show, and she wasn't able to make it, so uh, we gave her her own hour on February the 8th. So looking forward to having Chrissy on. I've uh, been corresponding with her in email, and, and that's going to be a great show. Uh, February 15th, uh, we're going to have the Gozar slash Go16 uh, Tim Schmidt on. Uh, he's going to talk to us about goes, and I do believe Shay maybe can add on to this uh, as soon as I'm done. Uh, he just uh, wrote a, a new blog entry yesterday talking about the first images that came from the Go 16. So um, looking forward to that show. And then we uh, close out February with uh, weather folklore from John Bes uh, Belsky from uh, Louisville, Kentucky, and um, he sent me his book a couple of weeks ago. So I am. Uh, in route to Oklahoma City in the next few weeks for a weather conference, so I plan to read a lot of it as I uh, as I head out there. So, uh, and then as we go into March, uh, Shay, uh, as he mentioned last week, uh, we're going to be talking about the National Weather Podcast Awareness Month. So uh, March is kind of not full yet. We do have Lightning One Hundred and One with John Jensenius uh, from NOAA on the 15th, and sea level rise with uh, coast, uh, NOAA Coastal Hazards Specialist uh, Doug Marcy on the 22nd. And then March 1st, 8th, and 29th is kind of open uh, for the podcast. Whoa, sorry about that. I should stop. <laughs> yep. uh, so, yeah, so that's the, uh, the show coming up. So, uh, as always, if you guys uh, watch our show and you have any suggestions, please feel free to uh, send them to us. You can reach us on Twitter, uh, leave us a message on Facebook, and uh, we'll get to this. So, Shay, you want to kind of promote uh, your blog that you wrote yesterday, and then we can kind of close out the show. Yeah, the Go 16 satellite uh, launched in December, and uh, it's starting to send back its first images. They started getting them back on January the 5th, and then we got more on January the 22nd. Actually, some of the first images, the magnometer uh, that measures the, the sun's radiation, started in uh, late December. So they're already, they got readings from that first, and um, these images are just gorgeous. If you know anything about the Himawari 8, it's the Japanese satellite, they sort of beat us to the punch getting their satellite up first. They're actually sending their Himawari 9 up. Uh, the GO-16 is one in four in a, a series. So there's four in the series, GO-16, which is GOES-R, and there's going to be S, T, and U following this. Uh, over the next several years. So we're hopefully going to get the next goes, uh, what would be goes T, I'm sorry, goes S up in the air, um, probably late next year or late this year. So uh, the the new feature that we're really looking forward to, there's several new features you're looking forward to. One in particular is going to be the first of its kind is a lightning mapper, uh, which is going to be fascinating and be able to catch real time lightning anywhere on the globe and study what kind of lightning 
because uh, we know that there's different classifications and where it strikes and how many strikes and it's going to be amazing for forecasting and tools. So uh, really looking forward to that. We'll have Tim Schmidt on it to discuss and um, we'll, we'll leave uh, content to him to, to talk about. Yeah, and Ricky actually went to the launch uh, back in November, so Ricky uh, very well versed in the uh, the subject. And uh, I can also say Ricky sent me the uh, Goes R press kit DVD, so I too will be well versed once the show starts. I don't know where my little we. I sent you some Goes R pins too. I can't find mine. I have to find it before we get Tim to come on. Uh, they, they I know. I know. A couple freebies down at the event. Yeah, that one. That's the lucky mark mine, I think, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. And then there's a goes one too. I'm not sure if I put one of those in there. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. This little tidbit: the Go 16 Lightning Mapper is the geo, the first of its kind ever geostationary lightning mapper. So I just wanted to be clear on that. So looking forward to that show, Tim. As I, uh, if you follow weather, you know Tim's a, a big, big figure, a big name in the weather world. So looking forward to that. So anybody have anything as we uh, kind of close out, Ricky? Uh, do you have your snow meter out up there yet? Are you milk and bread? Oh, that's a good idea. I forgot about that snow meter. I do need to break that out and at least put it at a two or something <laughs> uh, for the upcoming Northwest Flow. I, I hate Northwest Flow events because, and I hate clipper systems too, because they're either boom or bust. We could have a clipper come ripping through here on my side of the mountain, and we could pick up a good two inches or so in the valleys, and some of our high elevations could pick up a couple more inches. And the Northwest flow events are so localized you know, on those Northwest facing slopes that I have seen it to where in Bristol on a good Northwest flow, we may get maybe a dusting. And Elizabethton, which is about a thousand feet higher, may get up to about an inch or so. The bottom of Rail Mountain, which I think is like three or 4,000 feet, uh, they had like four or five inches. And the top of Rail Mountain, which is like 5,600 feet, uh, I found a foot snow like pack and i found some drifts that were even higher than that so crazy how the northwest flow events work around here um they lead to fun days in the weather a funny event too we're doing on saturday uh you've heard of puxatani phil right well here in saltville we have a woolly mammoth and the woolly mammoth guesses the weather and so i am in seeing uh i guess they call it woolly mammoth day or woolly days <laughs> coming up on saturday and asking woolly if uh, we're going to have winter or spring so that should be a little bit of fun and uh well, make sure you put a liability clause in there so lawyers can't sue. Yeah, it's Wooly's fault, not mine, if it's, it's uh, wrong. so We want pictures with you and Wooly, okay? All right, I, I will do my best. So. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks uh, again, uh, you guys, for uh, watching tonight. Thanks to Steve and to Justin, who are still with us. And we also want to thank Ben and Jacob uh, for coming on for Sunset Weather. Go follow them on Twitter, sunset underscore WX, and uh, go like their Facebook page as well. And make sure you send them those verification reports. Don't forget, put where you're from, not just your backyard. That kind of helps out the situation. So uh, for everyone for the Carolina Weather Group, we appreciate you watching tonight, and we look forward to seeing you next week.